welcome to another edition of Union Money. I'm Brian Hirsch, and this evening we are focusing on the investment world. It's obvious that when fundamentals are sentiment and positive, markets will move up. Markets will move down when both factors are negative. The problem for market performance is when fundamentals and sentiment are out of sync. Often it's the big news of the day that drives sentiment. And joining me this evening in the Zoom room is Henry Biddlecombe, Investment Analyst at Anchor Capital. Good evening, Henry. It's lovely to have you back on the show. Hi, Brian. Yeah. Henry, the last two months should have given investors a good understanding of the risk and returns of their investments in markets. September markets were down between 5 and 7%, and some stocks even more. And in October, there was a virtually a full recovery. On our last program on the 4th of October, you were quite bearish. Is there any change in your views? And if there are, please explain your reasons. No, I think in general, you know, equity valuations are still at elevated levels. Um, and the market expectations as far as earnings growth goes are still um, fairly positive. So, you know, I'm not expecting um, a huge return from the equities um, globally in general next year. I'm still fairly cautious. So when deciding on your tactical allocation to equities from here, I would be neutral to moderately underweight still. You know, Henry, if you think about it, investors globally have been spoilt over the last number of years. We've had fantastic returns. I mean, re returns no one, no one would have expected. Returns of 15, 20%. I mean, this year I think markets are up 16 or 17%. I mean, the, the, the average international investor expects to get about 3 or 4%, if they can, above inflation, which means US investors would love to get 6%, and the same for the, the Europe and, and the UK. But we've had these fantastic returns. For me, the concerns globally, are, they don't appear to be any black swans around. In other words, events that we are not already aware of. What are we aware of? Let's just think about it. What impact on investors, uh, the lives? Firstly, I think what is important is to understand, we understand inflation. We understand that quantitative easing was, will come to an end. We understand there are problems in terms of China. And all these things are there. So there's a lot that we already understand. But let me ask you this, this question. We've seen that there's going to be a large investment in South Africa through this late, latest COP26. What impact on investors will this $130 billion that's planned to come into South Africa, where is it going to go? Where is it coming to? And Will this have any effect, which is driving me absolutely mad, and probably all the other people that are watching, is uh, a low chain? Yeah. Look, I think it's important to understand that um, these aren't handouts to South Africa. These are loans that will have stringent um, conditions and criteria for drawdowns, um, and they will need to be repaid. So... Look, to the extent that these facilities will allow us to build out a more reliable power grid, that's extremely positive, both for economic stability and growth. Um, but there's a big if, you know, if, 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 if we can implement that effectively, then wonderful. If not, um, you know, then it's, it's not a freebie. Henry, let me ask you this question. Did this election have any impact on, on markets, any impact on South Africa, any impact on one would expect from what's likely to happen going forward in the next 12 to 18 months? 
Yeah, I, th I think it was the outcome was moderately positive in that um, a signal's being sent that the populace is dissatisfied with the maladministration, um, you know, currently taking place in government. But uh, again, it doesn't um, solve the problem, really. What you want to see is action. So I guess the next thing we're looking forward to is the medium-term budget uh, policy statement. And let's see what happens there. Yeah, well, that'll be quite interesting because we have, we've had an enormous windfall this last uh, last 12 months, certainly from the taxes that the Treasury has received uh, from uh, the the mining, um, in, you know, with all the commodities moving up and the, the earnings are being much greater. So it's, it, that, what, that windfall. But let me go to some of the emails that I've had now. I've got an email here from Rosalind from Fairland. says, please explain what, why whatever goes on in the USA with reference to job numbers and inflation has such a big impact on our market and our economy? Yeah, so look, uh, at the end of the day, the market always seizes onto a particular narrative and it's whatever's topical at the time. Uh, and of course, the movement of the markets will be connected to that narrative. And at the moment, um, it's the normalization of monetary policy at the end of the day, because we're coming from such an extremely aggressive level. Um, so inflation and jobs numbers directly influence the actions that the Fed takes from here. In other words, um, you know, where they take interest rates and uh, that will move markets at the end of the day. And that's why, um, you know, investors and I guess the news outlets are so obsessed with those two metrics at this point in time. Henry, if I just go back a little bit where there was a potential announcement that p members of pension funds were able to possibly borrow from their funds earlier than previously and for, and for lots of other reasons other than housing, that was now reversed. But it didn't make any sense to me because if you think about it, those contributing to pension and provident funds are working and they are able to put bread on the table. It's the many, many million that are not working that needed the money. But I just want to, you know, the fact that there was this need for capital, if we now find that interest rates in South Africa go up, I mean, 99% of working South Africans have got debt and not, not what I would call even unhealthy debt. I mean, to have a home today and to drive a car, you've actually got to borrow money. Who can pay cash for that? So if interest rates go up, that means the cost of their debt is going to be that much higher. Now, for the last two months, if you break up the household's budget and you say 60% is going on debt and 40% is going on all the other costs of living, and now we have that cost of debt going up, and from the question raised by pension funds that can we borrow, it indicates that many South Africans who are working are really struggling. So with interest rates going up, they're going to struggle much, even much more. How's that going to help our economy to grow? Yeah, you're right. It doesn't. Um, at the end of the day, you know, the South African consumer has been under pressure for a long time. Um, and a high interest rate just means that debt servicing costs go up. Um, you know, so South Africans have two problems. Yes, debt becomes more expensive, but also debt for a South African consumer is also, um, compared to consumers overseas, difficult to access. Um, so the, the problem at the end of the day all boils down to growth. We need our economy to grow. And in order for it to grow, we need um, significant policy reform at a government level, um, which in the long term should attract foreign direct investment. And, and, and that's really what drives uh, job and, and wage growth through time. 
but we're in a precarious place at the moment. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, and we've also got a pull. We've got those that are working that don't want interest rates to go up, and those who are in retirement who really, for the last <coughs> number of years, have also really been decimated. If you think about someone getting a return from a normal banking account of 6 or 7%, now they're getting something like 3 to 4%, and with inflation, they need a lot more. So pensioners are really struggling. So you've got that, you've got that pull where pensioners are hoping that interest rates will go up, and those working with debt are hoping interest rates won't move, but obviously we, we you know, we see what's happening there. Uh, and also, Henry, let's just talk a little bit about our bond market. Uh, we've had a very strong bond market, and then again in September we saw our bonds weaken. In other words, interest rates move up. Uh, how do you see that playing out over the next period of, say, the next six to twelve months? Yeah, look, if you look at South African government bonds on the global stage, I think that they are relatively attractive here. Um, so I like them from here. I think that you need to accept that they will come with a little bit of capital volatility. Um, but, you know, again, on the global yield stage, I think it's one of the, the, the more attractive yield investments um, globally at this point. Henry, up to now, it's really been that people internationally could only get real returns from equities. They couldn't get returns from bonds, property, and the norm, and other types of asset classes. How do you see that playing out? I mean, do you see that there'll be other opportunities other than equities where investors could get returns internationally? Not at this point in time. So we still underweight um, global yield instruments. Um, you know, at the end of the day, um, interest rates, globally speaking, are still very, very low. Um, they will inevitably trend upward from here. So we don't find them to be attractive. Um, we neutral on equities globally. Uh, and I always say it, you know, sitting on hard currency cash isn't the worst place to be at this point in the cycle. And um, while you might not be earning much in the way of an interest rate, people sometimes forget the transactional value of cash when opportunity strikes. So we are advising our clients to sit with a, with a, you know, a, a neutral to elevated level of cash um, and the opportunity will come to, uh, to disperse that cash into an attractive opportunity at some point. Okay. Henry, up to now you've had an easy evening. I'm now going to throw you a curveball. Client phoned me today. He can borrow internationally at, on, on euros at 1.3% for two years. He needs money in South Africa. Rather than sell out of his equity portfolio, he's decided to borrow, but he doesn't know whether to borrow now or to wait six months. So the question I'm asking you, which is the curveball, because as I said, you've had an easy evening, tell me about yeah. where, you see, where you see the RAND. Would, if you were borrowing, would you borrow at this level around about the 15, or would you wait six months to borrow? If you need, so you look, need the money in six months' time. So if we isolate the, the discussion to the exchange rates, I do think that the RAND is somewhat undervalued here. So we do expect a little bit of near-term RAND strength directionally from here. But Brian, how many times have we seen South African corporates make this mistake with capital allocation? You know, when, when there's a currency mismatch between where you've borrowed and where you're spending the money, that can end in disaster because... Uh, the unforeseen can happen and you know what our currency is like it's extremely volatile it can overshoot and undershoot massively so i never think that borrowing in one currency um, to spend in another is a good idea especially not in rands okay well henry we're going to take a break if you'd like to call us on the show you can call us our number is 011-484-0468 you can still email me your questions at brian at bdtv.co.za or brianh at bhca.co.za. Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly.